Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello all, welcome back. It's that time of year again for, it's June, so it's Pride Month. So welcome to the start of our Pride series here, and I have an interesting guest that I think you're going to enjoy. But before we get into that, let's start with the classic disclaimer of this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes. It is not a substitute for working with a mental health worker. Please, please seek a mental health worker in your area. And I would also encourage you to consider if you're not sure it allows it, see if you can find one online. I know it's not what not the same as working with us in person, but still get some connection with mental health out there. So today's guest, <laughs> uh, someone I've noticed for quite a while from, from afar, I mean, they come across the feeds and so forth, but uh, recently I was presenting at the Leather Leadership Conference in Atlanta in 20, uh, back in March 2023. And this individual was actually in the audience and sat in several of my presentations. And why I think this is a, an appropriate guest for this particular month is also talking about intersectionality. As those of you who have been listening this long have been aware that much of what we talk about here on the, sh- on the show and many of the guests involve intersectionality and especially also reflects some of my intersectionality. And today's guest is another example of where we have that intersectionality across multiple identities, which reinforce and strengthen us. So today's guest is J. Tiberius Perry. J. Tiberius Perry is a French freelance journalist and columnist for two gay editorials in Atlanta, Georgia, The Voice and The Peach Magazine. His most recent contributions and work for Black History Month is his public's published article entitled Reflections on the Black Atlanta Leather Life, a Perspective of Black History Month. His activism of diversity, equity, and inclusion are his true passions. He was a title holder, or he was the title holder outreach director for NCSF for a number of years, which is the National Coalition for Sexual Freedoms. He competed at IML, International, International Mr. Leather, in 2004. Sir J. Tobias inspired the audience, don't be the problem, be the solution for a bigger, better leather community. This settlement is still the motto he lives by today. Sir J. T- Tobias founded the Rainbow of, Rainbow of Colors with his late best friend, Emmanuel Baldwin, in 1994 in Texas. Rainbow, Rainbow of Colors' mission was to assist local civilians with HIV. One fundraising highlight was a weekly dance at Eight Space Bar and CAF in San Antonio. He's also a recently retired from Delta Airlines and was sitting in the audience uh, listening to me talk about some of the issues of leadership and what we need to be aware of from an interpersonal relationship science standpoint with mental health. So please, let's give a great welcome to Jay Tobias Barris. Perry, welcome to the Untying Thank Knots. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I must say that um, um, I competed in the IML in 2014, and mm-hmm. maybe that was an oversight on my, my bio. But what I want to say before we get started is that I am so freaking proud of you from LLC. 
your presentations in your classes were not only just inviting, but they were a match on all social and educational levels because the class was very diverse. It was Mm -hmm. very, all the classes were very diverse, but I want to say a big kudos to you in that you did a really good job from one educator to another. You were absolutely amazing and I'm honored to be here. Thank you. I was sweating quite a lot while (laughs) making those presentations. Yeah, because I originally figured I would only be making one presentation, but didn't realize I was going to be making three. Yeah, yeah. It was really good. That was really good content. Really good content. Good. So back to you, though. How did you get here? Okay. How did I get here as in my leather journey? My my kinky side and curiosity started probably mid-range of my military career in the early to mid-90s and um, got out of, I exited the military in um, 2001 officially and I moved to Fort Lauderdale where I had gotten a divorce. I was married, believe it or not, married to a woman, divorced um, before my military career ended, Um, met my first sir, didn't know my identification, didn't know who I was or any of that. And um, 2001 to 2002, I explored a lot with um, my former and moved back to Atlanta, found Onyx, mm-hmm. stumbled into a bar night uh, with <laughs> Onyx hosting. And that curiosity transferred from Fort Lauderdale to Onyx. And my journey started there. So in general, we can say that Onyx was at least a, a provided some degree of a safe environment for you to explore in. At that time, Onyx um, was my launching pad. That is very safe to say. Um, educate, empower, and explore, of course, is um, the motto. And um, I grew and grew and was um, went under mentorship through, at that time, with one mentor and then graduated into three mentors um, mm-hmm. for competition, teaching, um, development, kink, fetish, whip throwing, flogging, the whole gambit. So my mentorship was a range of um, three people that one of which knew very little, but was very specific in kink. The other one mid-range, title holding, producing, all of that. And the other one, um, which I'm currently still under technically, was um, my personal development as a leather man, um, mm-hmm. confidence, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a beautiful thing that I got the range of all three, mm-hmm. um, which um, Master Bruce, I'm still under right now. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. And again, one one thing we'll say is that whatever you do with Onyx, it is part of what you make for your journey. Don't go into expecting everything from them You have a journey that is your own. You started long before you joined them and you will be continuing long after whether you are a member of them or not. But know that's your journey. I appreciate that. Yeah, that is is very true. I mean, because the journey is the one thing about all of us as Leatherman and as about um, kinky found folks is that our journey is forever evolving. It Mm -hmm. looks different from 2002 to 2023 the person that i was at that time is definitely not the person that i am now so yeah that's that's definitely a accurate point and i appreciate mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And so, but and so there too, and no, we've mentioned onyx, but this also gets into the aspect of the identity of leather and kink, and especially for us as people of color. Mm-hmm. And there is, like so many other things, especially when we look at the LGBT spectrum, a lot of times the standard image that gets put out there is a standard image of a white person. And you know what? I I don't know if it was you that I had that conversation with. And when it comes down to leather and fetish, though, Tama Finland is is supposed to be the standard. That standard, to me, looks so different, though that was a a standard back in the, you know, whenever he started Mm -hmm. it through the 80s and the motorcycle clubs. But for us, I mean, black and brown and BIPOC people, we changed that shit, man. I mean, we mm-hmm. made it our own because we 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 play different. We look different. We taste different. Um, the words, the choice of words that we use in certain spaces are different. So that Tama Finland model may be the standard for some, but it doesn't um, go all the way across mm-hmm. all spectrums. And one more um, um um, point that I want to make is that yes, I've been, I've heard, I've overheard that yeah, black people don't look good in leather. Mm-hmm. Black oh. men, bl- listen, black oh. men don't look good with dreads in a cover. Um, that black skin does not mesh well with another black fabric. I've heard it all, and what that has done, it is really, is really given me the strength. And the courage, because a lot of times the courage or lacking the courage of something keeps us conformed to what keeps us fucked up. So as much as we develop that courage, it needs to be explored while it's in Mm -hmm. its raw form, because courage also can sometimes turn into fear when it's not Mm -hmm. validated in some cases. Mm -hmm. So we as black and brown and indigenous people, we have to be. Um, unafraid of change, no matter what that looks like for all of us. It has to be um, authentically you in that space. And even the transformation has to be something that you recognize in yourself and not going by a carbon copy of something that so many have done in this community. Which, and depending on particularly where we're dealing with here in the U.S. or in Europe, there is the aspect of the clone standpoint of it. But what's just just having to take a moment of taking apart what you just <laughs> said there about those beliefs is like, are you talking about the type of material or the color of the material? Because there, black is a fabric color across the entire freaking world. Right. There are some outfits that look incredibly great on people that are of are brown, black, and indigenous in black that some people can never carry off. Right. But no, no, it sounds like you're having an issue with the fact that this is a black, brown or indigenous person wearing leather. And And suddenly I really want to see a I mean, just to them, our Middle Eastern members. Yeah, I'd love to see a uh, one of your sort of she the uh, robed items done entirely in leather. That would be absolutely hot. And also Mm -hmm. the other thing, too, just to piggyback off of that. Um, In these spaces, and I've taught a class um, which was called um, POC Navigating in White Dominated Spaces. Mm -hmm. I've taught this class for a number of years. And the the basis of the class was not about 
black people or indigenous people being in a white dominated space. Mm-hmm. That was only just to lure you in. Mm-hmm. The real point of the outline and the meaning of the class was how you and I see each other in that mm-hmm. space, how you and I act towards each other in that space. And you know, it comes with a lot of, to get to that point of us seeing each other, me seeing you as a black man in this pretty much white dominated space, there is some emotional dying on on the part of that person who really Mm -hmm. needs to see the other person. We Mm -hmm. have to go through a maturity level of actually seeing each other. And it's our business and it's our um, evolution and purpose is to not only see each other, but to validate seeing each other in that space. And we and it needs to be real. It needs to be real. And I think that the younger kids, and I call them kids all the time, and they always say, you know, um, please don't call us younger kids. I can't help but call them kids because they're so much younger mm-hmm. than I am. But we have to be able to say to each other in those spaces, OKD, good job, man. Good fucking job. And give you a hug and, you know, just to validate you because for some of us, and we were talking about London earlier before mm-hmm. we came on, is that seeing each other in spaces like that and embracing each other only makes us, as I said, a bigger and better leather community by us so, validating and seeing each other. So I think we should probably should give some context to our discussion yeah. about uh, that we are having earlier about in London and England. Just yeah. you probably can also say Europe in general with all of this. So could you rephrase a bit of that so we can give people context? Yeah, sure. About sure, the sure, situation. Sure. Yeah, when it comes down to, because the we were talking about, because the Commonwealth is 84% of the Commonwealth is African indigenous people that make up the Commonwealth that, that mm-hmm. England owns, the, the Queen of England owns pretty much, or the country of England owns. So, People who are Black Indigenous people from those countries, from the Commonwealth, they are British raised and they're British educated. Mm-hmm. And when they come into contact or in the same space or sharing space with your with white Europeans, they cater easier, much easier to a level of white fragility than we see here in the States. Because we show up to a space like Hey guys, how, how's everyone? You know, but they kind of tiptoe and shrink themselves catering to white fragility when that is very foreign to me. And I don't really recognize that when I show up to a space, I show up to a space and, and I'm just there. I'm not mm-hmm. there to prove myself. I'm there to show up as my authentic self, as a, as a leather man who knows who mm-hmm. I am and being okay with that. But it's so many times that I've witnessed, um, um, people who are African origin or African descent that shrink themselves in these spaces. So me living in London back and forth for the last eight years, I've seen that and I'm slowly but surely changing that from f- friends that I have from um, some parts of the Commonwealth, including Madagascar, which my friend mm-hmm. Stefan is one of my dearest friends, but he was raised in Paris, but he's mm-hmm. still to this day cater to that fragility which is very foreign to me so yeah that's what we're discussing which in in some ways there's a classic idea of the rude american but now what does it mean to be the 
quote unquote rude black American. You know what? You don't see now it then let's go into that. <laughs> let's go into that. See, I'm trying to pick, I'm trying to find where should I go into this entrance point? Because those stereotypes comes with us based on what, and I hate saying white people, based on what white people see on TV, and then they perpetuate that on us in real time and in mm-hmm. person. So most, the, the common white person, and I tell my husband that, who is British white all the time, most white people who are privileged, they don't know about us until they have to cross the tracks. Mm-hmm. So the only thing that most white people know because they're is is what they see on TV because they're typically around people that look and sound like them. And I'm not really stereotyping white people. I'm just saying from my education and me having so many other white friends, the only thing they really know is based on not through experience because everyone that they know and that they're friends with, they look and sound like them. They think like them. They vote like them. And it becomes this bubble that they harbor and only certain people that look and sound like them can infiltrate that. And that's the disservice sometimes even of the leather community because Mm -hmm. it looks the exact same way. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind, and going back to another article that I wrote, um, a broken system within a broken system, Mm -hmm. which is, yes, there is racism in 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 the in America, but us being gay, that's one level. Being black, that's another level. So mm-hmm. that racism against white gays towards black gays is a broken system within a broken system, mm-hmm. and it all needs to be fixed. So in Europe, it 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 looks different. Racism is more subtle, and it looks different, but it doesn't help that um, other individuals who are black and indigenous who come from the Commonwealth shrink themselves due to white fragility. Very much so. And even then too, in that intersection of these different identities, then we get into the uh, notion about what it means to be in leather and kink, which also gets added into that standpoint of there is the racism, misogyny, ageism, whatever ism is there, even the standpoint of even colorism and such. I was just about to say that, yeah. And then there's the colorism also, because I have friends that are from Brazil as well. And my Brazilian friends talk about that all the time, because the original Brazilians came directly from jet, as we call it, jet black Africans. And they were the most powerful of the Brazilians, of the Venezuelans, of the Argentinians. But now that whole thing looks different based on white influence and what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. And then what society tells us is acceptable. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, just a matter of just appreciating where you are and just learning more about yourself and not being afraid to shed and, and be transparent. Which then I think brings again, the aspect of where is the intersectionality getting missed since this is going to be airing in June for Pride, when we keep hearing the issues of drag doesn't belong at Pride, leather doesn't belong at Pride, kink doesn't belong at Pride, 
all of these things are treating it as if it's a singular thing, as opposed to a place where we have multiple intersections of identity, right? which actually gives some of us more strength to be there at pride mm -hmm. than it does for others. Yeah. Um, one of the things I know is talked about in therapy circles, especially some of the black therapy circles is identity development. Mm -hmm. And that, oh, and I'm blanking on the person's name, but there is a theory of identity development, which basically recognizes someone's, mm, they can get myopic. Mm -hmm. That's true. And some people will stay in that myopic standpoint, mm -hmm. and then they will move into a much broader understanding of the world. Right. So it's an aspect of where, uh, is, is there a place that some of these claims about leather and kink and all of these things don't belong in prize because there are people who have not finished their identity development but are holding on to certain things much and like that, yeah what you're saying about the the africans and the commonwealthans who still tiptoe around yeah and it's such a disservice because i mean pride is for all of us when marsha p johnson and sylvia rodriguez threw that first brick they there were people already in the trenches in pride who died fighting for us to do what we do from a gay perspective, from a kink perspective, all of that. So I can, when I go to these pride events now, which they look different um, every single year, I guess it's the older that I get, I can still appreciate it because I'm in that space to display my leather and to display what I'm so proud of. And people make it, I think the reason why People want to keep certain things separate and, you know, drag queen should be here. Leatherman, leather pride should be here. Kinky, um, um, I'm sorry, gay folks should be here. Lesbians should be here. Trans should be here. Is because as Americans, we make it easier to pigeonhole people into what our understanding is of that, that said community. Mm. And we make it easier just to say, okay, no, 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 you belong over here because you look like you belong over there. It mm -hmm. makes it easier for them just to just appreciate, like men of a certain age, like myself and some of my, my other leather friends, we're of a certain age and we can accept more. And you would think it would be the opposite way, but we can accept more and just see people for who they are. And I think we should start pushing this through mentorship and through education of our younger leather folk, leather and kinky folks, that accepting everyone is the key because mm -hmm. that's the only way that we can grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very true. Very true. And something else I was listening to in another podcast pointed out too, is that for most people, their sense of culture and identity comes from growing up in that culture. But to be LGBT means that we don't have, you're not getting your LGBT unless you've got LGBT family members. Mm. you're not you're going to have to step outside of your culture to learn that history learn that relationship and that relationship transcends mm. multiple identities yeah that's true uh, and even just even bringing the neurodiverse which i know i count myself in that too and i wouldn't surprise me if there's a lot more uh leather and king people and a lot more neurodiverse people who'd also enjoy life through the leather and kink field mm. just because of also the sensory components that get played with in the kink world right that's that's true it's very true yeah and is some of that also some of the stuff that has been your topics of work 
when you've been writing your articles for those newspapers? Yes. Yeah. 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 I just, I, what I will say is that when I, and we talked about the authenticity of my, my freelance journalism, mm-hmm. when I write, I write, I'm, I'm a very weird, I, I call myself a weird writer because I have to be in my solitude when I write. And I mean, everything has to be off. And it's an energy thing, too. And I mean, I'm sure that that you've written articles before. It's, it's, it's personal to me. And it's me shedding myself onto this paper. And I'm thinking that my work is going to be my work when I see it in print. Mm-hmm. Sometimes editors and um, um, magazines and wherever it's going to be presented, They'll change the authenticity of your work sometimes from a power structure of, you know, well, this is my magazine. This is ABC mm-hmm. magazine. This is not um, Sir J. Tobias Perry uh, magazine. So I can edit it as I will. But what you're doing is you're chopping away at my integrity that it took me weeks to write. Mm-hmm. So we have to be authentic when we show up in these spaces of, um, of identity that's all that the world deserves is your authentic self, no matter what that looks like. And I'll give you, I'll give you this um, as an example. Um, recently, and I've been contemplating it for a while. I was like, you know, I'm being influenced by um, some of the younger generation. And I wanted to explore it for myself um, a few years ago. And this was gender bending. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, you know, I'm thinking from a gay perspective, all of us take on the construct or mannerisms of a black woman, you know, as a, as a gay man before mm-hmm. the other thing came on. And that may seem as parallels with gay, with being gay, but from a leather perspective, that standard that we talked about earlier was something that you could never explore, especially from a dominant standpoint, mm. from a cover standpoint, from, you know, the 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 M, the D and the M side of the slash, you know, it's kind of hard to embrace a gender bending side from either of those sides of the slash. And at a photo shoot um, that I did recently, um, after I made my transition, as mm. I said earlier, um, a friend of mine. Just so, just folks are aware, when we say transition, we're not talking about gender. No, you're not no, no, going no, trans. Not. We're different, Thank different you. transition, different was, subject matter. Right. It was a transition from uh, along my journey mm. about about so about socialization and affiliation. Mm. So, um, a friend of mine who's a designer said, "Well, you know, I got something that I want you to try on, and I want you to see how you feel in it." And mm-hmm. it was a floor length leather skirt. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it and I said, oh man, that's nice. I said, what um, what woman is going to wear that? He said, well, you're going to put it on. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And I tried it on and it really brought me back. It like, it, it, it almost, um, I had like a, not a premonition, um, like a flashback of a feeling that I had 15, 20 years ago 
when mm. I wanted to put on a dress or put on a skirt, but still be in my masculine form with my mm. cover on, with, you know, everything being on the left, me being a dominant, me being, you know, a, 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 um, a sadist. And, you know, what I do in kink and would it change me? Would it make me, would the expectation be um, effeminate? Do I have to act like this? Do I have to raise my voice? And I really fucking didn't know. I really did not know. So I put it on and I told him, I said, you know what? I want to shoot this with one of my, one of my um, photographer friends called Mm -hmm. a friend of mine, shot the actual skirt. He made me three different vests, like really form fitting Mm -hmm. with a black cotton shirt, high collar with my armband on the outside, my cover with my whips and my Mm -hmm. floggers and my boots underneath the the skirt and it was the most powerful and i'm 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 getting emotional thinking about it because we starve ourselves so much about what people would say and talking about identity and what the black community would say what the black leather community would say um people that you've known for a very long time what would they think of you would they think less of you because you chose to to wear a skirt And as I I said earlier, man, the only thing we owe owe it to society is just to be ourselves. And I was actually very comfortable after, you know, doing the shoot. Um, And it is actually going to be, and I'm probably speaking speaking ahead of myself, but it's uh, two of the pictures are going to be the front and back cover of my um, upcoming book on mentorship. On leather Very nice. So yeah, I got it out. See, I did it. I did it. Yeah. Well, with the announcement of that book that's coming up, um, what do you think is the time frame for it? Oh, you really, you are really peeling this damn onion back. So um, I have three people that I trust um, with my life. One of which my mentor, Master Bruce, is finally finishing up um, the proofing for it. So mm-hmm. far, so good. He's on chapter, I think, chapter 19, and there are 21 chapters. Mm -hmm. And once the rough draft is done, I think it should be ready. I'm hoping, I'm hoping by IML or Fetish Week London, which is in July, July 9th through the 16th. So with luck, when this airs, then you'll be having an announcement party for this soon. Coming to San Francisco. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Because I mean, IML is in May, so we won't won't be there. But hopefully by July, we'll have be able to have an announcement party for that. Thank so you, you heard to hear, folks. Here for your first, folks. Yeah, man. The packaging, all of that, and it's just you know, it's it's a it's a really good body of work, and I must say so for myself because it's it's my first. It's the first book that I've written, though I've written. Mm-hmm hundreds and hundreds of articles, me pouring into this book on leather mentorship, how to get it and how to benefit from it is all of me on paper from start Mm. to finish um, different tactics, different, um, uh, different ways to, to find it, how to vet, 
I mean, you know, mm-hmm. because we do all of this all the time. We're like, just go to their Facebook page and that's all the vetting that we need to do. That's all you need to do. Yeah. And it's so much, it's so much meat on the freaking bones in this book. And I got, I just, I gotta send you a copy before it before it comes out, but you gotta keep it on the low, low, low. Because of course. I, it is, it is really, and I mean, you know, not not to veer off the subject, but we go into so many books that we read from leather sex to the leather boy handbook and you know with vince andrews and and other people that we admire um from afar but this book is really the blueprint on the foundation of this community because mentorship and shadowing is what brings us and lures us into the space and what develops us because if you just come in oh i'm just going to put on a leather vest and i'm going to become a leather man I'm going to go and buy me a $150 cover and I want you to call me, sir. (laughs) You know, it teaches you all this different stuff, man, that is, that is, um, that we see now. And I mean, it's so many, so many things in the new guard versus the old guard. And we don't need the foundation of protocol. And because I'm, I'm my own person and I'm a millennial and I'm going to be what I want to be. You know, it's so much of that, that we have to give, freedom to but without the foundation i mean what is it well it goes back to what i was saying about that aspect of to learn about culture learn about history as lgbt is not going to come be found in within your own culture of shall we say race or religious identity it's got to be found elsewhere which means to some degree a portion of you must go back to beginning the beginner's mind doesn't mean we're because and I think that's one of those things that often gets caught up in the idea is that, oh, you're going back to beginner's mind. Well, you're going back to beginner's mind in everything. No, right. You're going back to beginner's mind in the subjects. Right. You still have all this other life experience here. Can you make that life experience work with this new component as opposed to they are separate things? Exactly. Because it's like inexperience is not going to teach inexperience. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's really not. They're on the same level. So I just you and you know we've had a conversation about that. Is that I'm just such a stickler on mentorship, no matter how it looks, no matter what's negotiated upon. Mentorship is is the key to everything. It teaches you consent. It teaches you patience. It teaches you grace. It teaches you self care. It teaches you everything that you need to know, as long as it is authentically platonic mentorship. I said what I said. <laughs> and I think that is a much better place for us to take our break on, because I was going to hit this a few moments, a little earlier one with the book, but oh no, I think this is far better of a place for us to take our break. That's on. great. So stay tuned, folks, here on Untying Knots. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist, here with Jay Tobias Perry, Leatherman Extraordinaire. And we'll be back soon for our second half. Wow. So stay tuned. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Our lives and the world around us can get messy and frustrating. Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it. 
so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Welcome back, folks. This is Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist, here with Jay Tobias Perry, a Leatherman extraordinaire, as we continue to talk about this place of being black, le- into the gay, into leather, into the kink, and the way these fall into our various structures of inter uh, the uh, interfacings and intersectionality. Now, you were just recently talking to us about this book that was coming up, and many of us heard that in the last half. But is there anything else that you'd like to say about that too? Well, you know what the book is. I like to use it was a very intentional book. And is is much so needed. Now, even in me researching other books on mentorship, it wasn't specifically mentorship that they were talking about. Most of the, the literature that I've read and other books that I've researched were talking about leadership. Mm-hmm. And sometimes mentorship is a two-way street. It's not mm-hmm. just sometimes just um, a mentor teaching a mentee. And it has different layers and it has different um, levels to it. So, and, and it looks different with some people. With mentorship, some are platonic and I've seen some that are not. Some graduate from being a mentee into being a boy or a slave. And I think that's dangerous. So, because influence when it comes to mentorship is something that is very um, important for me to um, to share and to teach. And just the way that this the framework of this book came about, it's like every single chapter um, pours on another layer or another layer and is very intentional. And I want it to be something that changes the lives of generation of leather folks um, that, that are gonna come after you and I and generations to come and i really want it to to make a difference gotcha now from where i said as a therapist dealing with interpersonal relationships ever all of these things are two-way relationships i think there's the assumption that it's always a one-way relationship that creates so much let's be frank shit in the world Mm. but that doesn't mean that every inter the two-way relationships work the exact same way but there is always a two-way component to any of this yeah, everything is through mentorship is really is it's an exchange. And currently I have three people under mentorship that are here and one in DC. And all of them are vastly different. Even my conversations with them 
are are very different. But I do take some parts of stuff that I told this one and I put it into this one because they needed it. So and then some of it I learned from them as well as them saying that they learned certain things from me. So as it may be an exchange, it's all about energy as well, too. The exchange mm-hmm. of energy. And, you know, sometimes mentorships work and sometimes they don't. It's like a relationship. It's like, you know, if you don't want to receive what I'm saying, then you go about your journey and I wish you well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, just keeping it um, 100, you just have to come to a mentorship willing to learn and be disarmed and to learn new things. Mm-hmm. Which is a very hard I think that's also a hard thing because as, as you were talking about the aspect of relationships, there's so many people who have built up and been told a certain concept about what a relationship is supposed to be. I can't count on how many times we, when I'm working with clients, I have to remind them there are more than just romantic relationships mm-hmm. that exist in there. And there's more ways to consider love than just romantic love that's that is at play. And even that mentorship relation, mentor and mentor relation, mentee relationship is a different form of love than what you'd experience with romance, but doesn't also mean that it isn't disarming, as you said, place to be vulnerable, which is that standpoint of we're always looking to connect. It's just what's the quality of the connection? What's the intention of the connection? And then that takes me to chapter 17, which is mentorship can come from any, any standpoint, but also in mentorship, there can be predatory behavior. There can Mm be um, (laughs) any type of falsehoods that are centered around mentorship to lure people into certain dynamics. And I mentioned before that the influence that mentors have over mentees can be dangerous if it's not used correctly, because mm-hmm. even if you don't, if they if they are um, friends and then they become this huge influence in this person's life, you're molding and shaping that person and you're responsible ethically for that person's development. And that person is trusting you and just having that influence over them is is very important. But and it should be always be used correctly. Which I think, too, and we'll touch on this, there is so much of the idea that when we think about leather and kink, we get into that abuse and that predatory nature as being the default people go into when it comes to that. And again, there's an aspect of where somebody gets a myopic lens Mm -hmm. on this is all that this is, which then frightens some people away from exploring this component of their identity. Yeah. And some people are going to have that intention because we are sexual creatures, right? And we Mm want to be as sex positive as possible. But during that process and development, this is just me. It should Mm -hmm. always be kept platonic. It should always be kept platonic for many, many, many reasons. And it's, it's dangerous. I'm serious. And you just don't know how many, um, things I've seen, even from when I was representing the Title Hold Outreach Program from NCSF, is that, you know, reporting incidents like that are like a dime a dozen. And mm. most, and believe it or not, even from the other spectrum, from a younger perspective, a lot of people don't know about the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom or even how to report an incident or how to get representation or anything like that. 
But anytime there is an infraction um, or trust or violation that was committed, you have to know the proper channels. And this book takes you through the right steps and guide you on how to secure the right type of mentorship. Because my outlook, my five, 10-year plan is to make sure that people are really growing and thriving through mentorship mm-hmm. and, and trusting it, not just thriving from it, but trusting the process of mentorship. Very mm-hmm. Which brings us so much of that that we need to revisit and understand and re-relate to where it is now, to what a mentorship is. Because again, so many things get have gotten twisted into it that don't actually need to be there. Mm-hmm. But this too, what you're saying about the um, infractions makes me also think about, uh, and this also relates to some of the stuff we were talking that was related to my presentation, is that standpoint of how many people are not even aware of their wounds and the interpersonal relationships or let alone situations that they're dancing around with. Um <laughs> Which is sort of, I'm going to go ahead and jump to this question is like, what do you think are some of the myths and realities around mental health, especially when it comes to being a black, gay, leather kinkman? I think what I will say from a black perspective is that the shame that comes with um, having mental health and then not going through the proper channels to to fix it or to heal it. And it's become just so taboo is that we Mm -hmm. have to be strong black men. We have to be strong black women. Oh, I can take care of these eight babies by myself. I'm a strong black woman using language like that. You're a strong black man. You can't cry at this funeral. You You have to be strong for your family. You have to be strong for your mother and not having the ability or the freedom to, to feel or to cry. So I think even with when it comes to mental health, I think that us tearing down the wall of shame and it becoming a taboo that Black people don't need mental health is one of the biggest misconceptions. And I think even through generation, and we talked about this at LLC, is that trauma is... I feel that trauma is generational, that it's passed all the way down from slavery and is something that is just passed down through energy, through spiritual, some kind of way, is that that trauma that our ancestors felt, I think that, that some of that trauma is passed down to us. And then certain things are taught and learned, even how to grieve at a funeral. This is how you grieve at a funeral, because I've seen my mother do it. Mm -hmm. Or you can't go see Dr. Perry Clark because that's not what black people do, you know, especially. And then you flip it over to a kink side and the fetish side. It's even double down and um, avoided with mental health, even when it comes down to the kink side. And then Mm -hmm. you put the kink and the black side into it. So I think that is something that we as black and brown people, we need to really um, work on is not being ashamed of our mental health when we Mm -hmm. know that it's needed. 
So got a side note is that technically I do not have a doctorate. So, but we also need to also recognize that, especially in our community, the word calling somebody a doctor is also an honorific. Mm-hmm. That's true. And it's a very different type of honorific, but it's an, an aspect of somebody, somebody's recognizing that need for somebody who's a healer. Right. Now, the other thing I would throw into what you just said too is now we also have to consider what we were talking about earlier with those who have spent their time in the Commonwealth and are from the continent in Africa mm-hmm. are also dealing with generational trauma around mm-hmm. that aspect of tiptoeing. Right. That's true. And and that is such a is such a normal thing. If you ever come to London as bad as I wanted you to come to Fetish Week, um in July with me, and I know you said that you couldn't make it. It well, is it. It is that's the all about scheduling and money. You got to look at those. I'm records. telling you. I'm telling you. We got to get you there. But when when it comes down to you, just have to see it for yourself. And even at the leather socials, the gear socials that we do, I'm typically one of three black guys mm-hmm. out of hundreds, hundreds of others that are there. And I make it my business when I'm in that space to make my way over to them. And the sad part also is that sometimes people who are in that space who are of color Mm -hmm. are not used to seeing anybody else like me with full autonomy. I'm loud. I'm tall. I'm black. You know, I have a Southern accent. They're not used to that shit. They're, They're really not used to it. And the more that we see each other, the better off black leather BIPOC people will be. Mm -hmm. The more we see each other. And we have to validate that. And it has to be a strong validation. And Mm -hmm. it has to be intentional. Yeah. Very nice. So anything else you want to say before we go? I want to say that you... And the way that you conduct your classes and and level of education is so, so needed. And I want more of it. And I I definitely got to get back in contact with you in your spaces. And um, my calendar is super full all the way out until July. But um, I got to get back and share space with you, whether or not I come to San Francisco, stay with with Jamal, stay with (laughs) David or whomever. I got to be in a space where you are teaching something that feeds my soul, because it's so many times that educators like ourselves, we rarely get the opportunity to get our souls poured into because Mm -hmm. we pour into so many you know, and just the way that you teach your class and your style of teaching is just is spot on. I love it. And I can I just appreciate you. I really, really do. Well, thank you very much. And there'll be more to come in the future. I haven't figured out what that schedule is going to look like for myself, but uh, yeah. always got to figure out how the schedule is going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Busy schedules, man, is something that is that is. Um, that's swarming in the air now because I'm doing BBM, I'm doing Austin Kink Weekend, I'm judging and teaching that self, I'm going to CLAW, of course mm-hmm. I'm going to IML, um, I got a cigar social to teach on daddyhood in Savannah, then I'm going to London for Fetish Week mm-hmm. on um, the UK, and then Black Gay Pride, Black UK Pride. 
later that month. Yeah, so Very it's going to be busy. It's going to be super busy. Very much so, yeah. So where can folks find you if they want to talk with you more, and especially if they want to be monitoring for this book that's coming? Well, what I will say, I'm going to give I'm going to give two sources that I deleted my recon and my um, fat life for um, briefly because I mm-hmm. needed a mental break. But you can find me on Facebook under J Tobias Perry, or you can find me on my Instagram, which it looks a little different than my Facebook. And it's under J Tobias dot I dot am. And that's my IG. And my IG is just a little bit more risque than my Facebook. Okay. So well, we'll have, we'll have some notes for those in the, the show notes. Uh, just make sure I got those at the, before we end today. And uh, what about the what about all sorts of stuff for reporting those violations with NCSF? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. NCSF is exactly how it is. It is, um, you can find it on www.ncsf.com. And I can't remember the other website, which is a link, but you can Google National Coalition for Sexual Freedom and file any type of infractions, consent violations, physical or otherwise. With the, with the organization, yeah. All righty. Well, folks, uh, this is just the start of what we're going to be providing for you for June and Pride Month. Stay tuned for more as it comes up. And uh, I'm certain we'll probably have Jay back here for something else, especially maybe after that book's released. We can talk a little more in depth about the book itself uh, as we go along. But uh, this has been Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I hope you're being well. I hope you're being safe this Pride. And I hope you are enjoying life this Pride. So we'll catch you later. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.